destino para ti lo que viniera de ti. Welcome to the Inside the Journey podcast. This is episode number 42 for Sunday, March 2nd, 2014. I'm Nelson DeWitt. And I'm John Younger. We are the team behind the upcoming documentary film, Identifying Nelson Buscando a Roberto. To get updates about our film, head on over to inbarfilm.com slash nl and sign up for the newsletter. Our guest today is Marla Roach, a Salvadoran adoptee looking for her birth family. She talked with us about her life as an adopted child and her slow realization that her adoption was not what it seemed. Our guest today is Marla Roach, who is my friend and another uh, Salvadoran adoptee, and she joins us from Massachusetts. We're both in the same state, and she is going to talk to us about meeting some of the other American uh, Salvadoran adoptees. And Marla, welcome. It's great to have you. Hi, great. Thanks for having me. I'm definitely looking forward to getting to tell my story a little bit more on my adoption from El Salvador. So I'll start off by saying my name is Marla Claudia Roach. The significance of my middle name is actually um, was my birth name, Claudia. I was adopted in 1985 along with my sister, which is what I'm told is my biological sister. So she also is interested in finding out about her past as well. We both um, were born in Santa Ana, El Salvador at the same time by a single mom from Massachusetts and the Boston area. We um, are both, you know, I've always been more interested in, in coming out with my story and getting to uh, research and hopefully find out about where I, where I came from and hopefully meeting family down there at some point and also visiting the country. I have not yet been there um, and neither have my sisters. I've gotten the chance to meet some great people that have also been adopted um, from El Salvador in that time period. And that's been a great experience for me. And it's kind of helped me uh, relate and on um, different levels personally and just, you know, even just hearing their stories is kind of, it's encouraging and it's, you know, of course it's interesting and it's also just, it's good to connect with people that know what you're kind of going through because being adopted, um, not knowing your past, in itself is always kind of can be difficult and it feels like you don't know who you truly are. Can I jump in a little bit here, Marla? Yeah. I'd love to know a little bit about like where in Boston you grew up, what your life was like, what your parents do, you know, just a little bit about your background. It it, it Mm -hmm. can be just jarring what normal American lives you lead and yet these are not necessarily normal, quote unquote, normal adoptions. So. Okay. Definitely. Um, yeah, I can definitely speak to that. So myself, I was two years old when I was adopted, and my sister was four and a half. Um, What's your sister's name? Marissa. Okay. Marissa Darlene. And um, that actually, her middle name again, her original, her birth name was um, Darling Raquel. So the Darlene kind of came from the Darling, which was her biological name. Our adoptive mother just kind of wanted to kind of keep on, you know, a little bit of where we came from with that. So, yeah, when we were adopted, I was two. She was four and a half. So at the time, we grew up knowing from, you know, whatever age we could remember and, and really understand what adopted meant. She always told us, our adoptive mother, that, um, you know, that we were adopted and, and the truth and where we came from and all of that. 
our grandmother was also in the house and helped to raise us. Um, there was no father. She was a single mother. She was a teacher. So she Are, really, are you really, North Shore of Boston? Yes. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she really, you know, always loved children and, you know, wanted to adopt. And actually, part of the funny story is Isabel who and her sister, and I don't know her sister's name, but I met, I met Isabel at one of the disappear meetings. My mother actually knew her mother. And Isabel and her sister had been adopted before me and my sister. And that's where my mom actually narrowed it down to pick El Salvador as where she was going to adopt from. Kind of interesting how that ends up happening. Like she was, um, Isabel was one of my mom's students in the class, in her class. Oh. So once, yeah. yeah. So it's kind and, of funny how that happened. Yeah. And we're actually yeah. going to have Isabel on the podcast uh, in, in the next few weeks. So it'll be great. I, I think it's great to have both of you kind of. Uh, because mm-hmm. you have this relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's kind of how my mom got the idea, I guess you could say. I mean, she knew she wanted children, but as a single parent, you know, she just looked as adoption at her option for having children. You know, she always knew she wanted two girls. So, you know, she had requested to the adoption agency two girls, and, you know, they worked with her. And it took a while for the whole process to go through. And then um, the adoption itself, even for us to come because of the circumstances down there, it took us a year and a half, I believe, for it to even actually, for us to actually land on U.S. soil. It took quite a while for that to actually happen because of everything going on in the, mm-hmm. in the country. So, but yeah, growing up, I mean, we always knew we were adopted, and we did not know until about 1992, 93-ish, I'd say, when my mom was reading the Boston Globe and saw an article about what happened down there and children being stolen for money and for other reasons. You know, she came to us openly and always was open about what happened. And that she she just was very upset to find out that this is what was going on and what happened. And, you know, she thought... So you would, you would have been like 10 or 12 years old when she, she addressed that um, with you? Right, exactly. Okay. And my sister would have been, yeah about 14 okay. or so, 13, 14. And she told us, and at the time I was still young enough that I'm just like, I didn't really, not, I can't say I didn't care, but I didn't really process it probably the way I do now at all. You know, to me it was just like, okay, that's just another, you know, part of my story. That's kind of part of my adoption history. Like whatever, it happens, it happens. I'm here now. So I just kind of took it as with a grain of salt and didn't really think too much of it at the time. Whereas you probably, you probably also didn't have much to compare it to, right? Like, you, right. Like, I mean, actually, I had um, a neighbor across the street that was adopted from Korea. I mean, she knew nothing about her history. So it was just kind of like, okay, like, his, you know, whatever. I was a very normal, t- typical kid growing up. You know, I, I grew up with a lot of close friends and family and, and everything, you know, um, was very normal. Fellow, you know, fellow I, uh, member of Red Sox Nation? <laughs> uh, yeah. More so now than back then, but yeah. Okay. And the Patriots. So you gotta can't forget the Patriots. That's just always for me, it's just always an okay, I'm adopted. No big deal. If anything, now the more I look at myself as almost a little different because I was adopted because of my background and it bothers me a little bit more now the history behind it and what really happened and what went on and I'm searching for answers now more than I was at, you know, of course, 10 or 11 years old when I found this out. At the time, I didn't really think much of it and my sister was more always um, a little bit more emotional or because she was also older when she was adopted. So without, without speaking for her, but um, did she have 
memories of El Salvador? I mean, I, I doubt you would have had two. A couple, yeah, and not not mm -hmm. good things we'll say. Mm -hmm. Whereas I wish I kind of did, even if it. I know it's horrible to say, even if it was bad. I wish I did. I have. I just feel like I have nothing to go off of at all down there. I mean, that's why I think I've always kind of pushed to the side and not really gotten too much emotional involvement into it until recently. Because to me, it was just like it's a place I don't know anything about. I've never been there. I don't. It's history, and that's mm -hmm. what it is. And, until recently, and now it's just it's changed, and I'm looking for answers now. Um, but you know, growing up, I was I grew up in a, a white suburb, suburban um, of Boston, and you know, I always felt if anything a little out of place because I was the only brown-skinned kid out there. That's the only thing that really separated me, or maybe felt a little bit separated from everyone else. Just basically the skin color, nothing further than that, nothing because I was adopted or even having single mom. I kind of want to stop you there and, and just back up because you said some things that, that resonated with me a lot, especially the idea of now that we're older, wanting to know more because I was 16 when I was reunited and... Mm -hmm. I didn't really understand what was going on or, or like what went on in the, in the war. It was just, Oh, my parents were sort of revolutionaries, but I didn't understand what that meant or what it implied and the involvement that the U S had and all these really complex ideas about, you know, babies being stolen and being put up for adoption. So all these things I, I learned over time. And as I got older, I, you know, drove me to find out more about it and made me more upset, as you said. And, mm -hmm. and then the other thing that, that you said that, that I connected with was not being connected with El Salvador, you know, not having a reason to go back or to look into it because it does seem so disconnected from everyday life here. And, exactly. And so maybe, you, maybe you can talk a little bit about that, about what you felt about this place that you never that you that you don't really have any personal con connection to. You just know you're from El Salvador. Mm -hmm. Okay. El Salvador itself to me was always just basically like a foreign place. It's just it's just like any other country to me. It was it was a place that I didn't know anything really about. That's the one thing, if anything, I do have a regret is that I didn't grow up like um, learning Spanish or incorporating the culture of where I came from into my everyday life. That kind of bothers me now, looking back, um, that that hadn't been more of, you know, part of my life. Um, well, it's hard, I, though. Had been, um, yeah, but it's it's hard when you don't have access to that, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I didn't have that many Spanish-speaking friends. I had a couple, but I didn't know Spanish enough to practice it, and I didn't, you know, there was no reason for me to kind of explore that culture. Right. I mean, um, you know, in maybe third or fourth grade, we had to do um, reports on like a country. And I, I did actually, I did one on El Salvador at that point. And um, I think it was more just like, like I said, here's, um, we have to pick a random country and why not the one I came from, you know, that I can learn a little bit about. But, um, you know, but further than that, I mean, I really, I never, you know, people would ask me, oh, are you going to go back there and see it? And before it was always like, oh, maybe, maybe not, like, I kind of like either way it didn't matter to me now I would definitely say I would be upset if I you know in my lifetime I didn't make it there I would definitely want to go there and um 
and learn more about it and just see it, you know. You know, Can I, know I ask when, when, uh, when and how that, and maybe the answer is that it was gradual, but when and how that changed for you um, wh or why it changed for you? Um, well, once I found out, um, honestly, the turning point was when, I don't even know what made me research it online, but when I Googled, you know, El Salvador and adoptees, and sure enough, that's actually where you come into the story, you know, and that's where I found a YouTube video with, you know, a conference you had done and on adoption and all of that. So that's kind of where the turning point came in place, which was about, I think it was 2007 or 2008, you know. So you saw one of Nelson's talks? I, yeah. I think it, yeah. I think it was the, the one at PHR with uh, Susanna and Imelda. That was exactly. one of the first ones yep. that we did in 2007, I want to say. Mm -hmm. So that's what started all that video. The YouTube video went from there, and then I contacted Nelson, and I forget if it was Facebook or or the YouTube video. Somehow I got in touch with it. I think it was Facebook. I may have sent you a message, and that's where it kind of went from there. I have no regrets on that. I'm glad I managed to find you and then learn more and find other adoptees through that. Yeah, and, and this is kind of the, the heart of what we wanted to talk about today was th this experience of yours connecting with other Salvadoran adoptees. And, and maybe, you know, let's go back to 2007 and, and so you watch this YouTube video and what are you thinking when you reach out to me and, and some of the other people initially? Let's, uh, let's just tell people, I mean, a lot of people are familiar with this video, but let's give people a little background. There was a, a press conference that... Um, Physicians for Human Rights, the American organization that helped in finding you, had with three of the disappeared children, um, mm -hmm. all from the New England area, and Nelson was one of the videos, and we'll include a link. Yes, yeah, so finding the video was just like, wow, I was just like, I had, you know, I was just like, couldn't believe that there was actually, you know, something on it, and then that he was, you know, not only in the country, but close by, you know, it was just, like, wow, I can't believe it. And, um, you know, my mom was actually with me. I remember when I found the video, and she she was definitely for it. She's always been all for me, you know, finding out about my past and, and okay with whatever, you know, whatever happens, you know, whether I find results or not. She was always on my side and supported me with that, and my sister as well. It was great. And then I, that's why I think I reached out right away and, and contacted him. And from there, I also met... Um, um, yeah, Robert Andrews. Uh, Robert, Robert yeah. McAndrews. Robert McAndrews. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sorry. Yes. It was great to also get in touch with him as well. He reached out to me right away and emailed me and was very interested in uh, meeting up or anytime I needed, I wanted to talk to him or go even go down to El Salvador as well. It was um, definitely, you know, open arms and welcome um, to any information I wanted or had questions I had, things like that. It was it was great, and um, to find out there were other people as well in the Boston area, you know, with the similar stories, and and just that they were looking as well. I was just like, okay, I'm not totally different here. There's other people that, are, you know, feel the same way I do. And so shortly after, I believe within that year, we had that disappeared meeting where we got to meet in person of, of several of the adoptees, as well as Jamie, who's from Maryland, I believe, or. Washington, I forget, Washington, D.C. or Maryland, and um, that was great, too, to meet her. I've kept in touch with her as well. So everything's been positive, mm -hmm. and I'm glad I, glad I found 
um, the group, and so far it's been it's been great. I mean, you know, I haven't had many definitive results on anything yet, but it's good to know the possibility is there and that I may. And, um, you know, my sister has also had a change of heart as well, and she's wanted to look into it more. And Did, did you ever feel, I, 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 this is going to be the wrong word, excluded? And what I mean is that, Oftentimes, I've met other Salvadoran adoptees, and they feel that they're somehow different from me because they haven't been reunited with their family. And that's something that is very hard for me to kind of explain to them that, you know, just because you haven't found your, your family doesn't mean that we're like in different boats because I was once where you were. And... Mm-hmm if you are able to find your family, you know, it's a war torn country and it's very difficult. Some of the situations that come up. So I'm, I'm just wondering, did you ever feel like disconnected from myself and Suzanne and Imelda and those who had been um, reunited? No, I wouldn't say disconnected. I would say more, I'm kind of like in ama- like amazed, like that there can be that outcome. You know what I mean? I'm more, like I look at it as I never even thought of it, even to get to the point where there's the technology and the DNA and the group and all of this as resources. That I'm more looking at it from a positive point of view. I feel like, and that those results could be there for me too. Whether they're, you know, whether they're positive that I can actually go meet a family or or not. Even if they're not, you know, still alive. It's just knowing that there's a chance that I can have a resolution and and get answers is, um, to me, is what makes it, you know, a great thing. I just, um, I'm just happy to have that, you know, that opportunity, I guess, to, there could be an outcome and a result. And, you know, I'm not really, no, I mean, I wouldn't say I disconnected. If anything, disconnected, I thought you were going to actually ask, by using that word, I thought you were going to ask me about disconnected in relationships or family-wise, because I do Hmm. feel that more as an adult. How I so? More disconnected actually as an adult with my family, you know, more now than ever. Like, like I said before, it was just skin color was different from my friends growing up, and now it's more of I don't feel as much a part of my extended family um, as an adult than I did as a kid. Because now I know what adoption means. I know what my history is. I know what I'm missing out on, and mm. the whole blood connection of a biological family I do feel like I'm missing out on definitely and I yeah. really for if anything I guess that's my number one reason why I do want to find my biological family no it's it's really interesting that you say that because I I totally felt that and it wasn't that that I didn't love my adoptive family or anything like that it was simply that you you know there was a point in my life where I looked at them and I could see the differences between us and it got me thinking, where are the people who, who look like me? It actually took me going down to Panama and Costa Rica and meeting my family to realize how similar I am to the family here. You know, it was this very roundabout way of like finding myself and, and understanding that in some ways I'm more like my American family than I am my my birth family and you know you start off mm-hmm. feeling lost and looking for your family then you find your family and then you realize <laughs> that the you know y- your family is is 
not necessarily the people who look like you, but the people who, who raised you, you know, but, but you kind of have to go through that. And, and so I totally Mm -hmm. understand how you, how you would feel that way. Yeah. I mean, definitely. And I I know my sister feels that way as well. Like it's just, it's a different way I look at it all now as, as an adult than I did as a kid. Um, I think it's, it's more, it bothers me more now, not the adoption itself, but just, but well, in a way, the adoption itself too. I mean, we didn't have a choice, you know, I mean, I'm certainly grateful and for everything my mother, my adopted mother did for me, you know, she never knew she was doing anything quote unquote wrong by adopting us, but that, you know, it may not have been a completely legitimate adoption that, you know, it, it really, it bothered her, it bothered me now more and and my sister as well all, all along. I mean, I feel like I would be more complete if I had answers, you know, and got to meet them, definitely, my biological family. But if I don't, then, you know, I guess it's just not meant to happen. Yeah, I mean, you know your, your birth name, and you said you, you do have some documentation about your birth parents. Can I ask a little <laughs> bit about how you have information about your adoption and, and also how you've gone about it and what what resources you, you've had and who's been helpful? Sure. My mother, like I said, she was always open about how we were adopted and where the agency she used. It was Alliance for Children out of Wellesley, Mass. So it was a legitimate adoption agency that she used. And once I started researching recently all of this, you know, I did end up contacting them and tried to reach out to find out if they had any more information on, you know, how adoptions were handled and things like that. They, you know, she said she would look into it and call me back. I I didn't get a call back. So they weren't particularly helpful with, you know, information. And they didn't offer up anything either. But I knew that from the adoption paperwork. And, you know, the same woman actually still works there that did the adoption for my mom. Basically, the documents, you know, that she received were, were all through the adoption agency as well as being signed by people down in El Salvador. So mm-hmm. we always thought they were legitimate. Now we come to find out after doing some more research recently that that adoption agency did handle, or mishandle, I should say, adoptions, the adop- and they weren't completely authentic. The um, adoption agency in in Wellesley, or or some or one correct. in yeah, Elsa- the Alliance okay. for Children was one of the ones on the list out of a few. It's not the only one down here in Mass that was, mm-hmm. you know, mishandled adoptions. Basically, adoption agencies were just charging more and more money for, you know, adoptive parents looking for kids down in that country during that time period. So I say what, that the adoption paperwork, I mean, I felt, I always felt like, like that was so valuable and something to hang on to. And then to find out that it may not be authentic was very, you know, it was, it was upsetting. And it um, that had my birth, you know, the day I always thought was my birthday and my parents' names and, you know, and my original, you know, my biological name. So to find out that that all may not be true is very upsetting. It could also affect whether or not me and my sister were biological because it said we were on those papers, but to find out that it may not be true or legitimate paperwork, you know, that also ruined thinking 100% that she was my biological sister as well. So that was, you know, that was kind of hard to take. You know, just basically Googling things now is a great way and a great tool to use to kind of research adoptions and if you may or may not, you know, have been affected just like I have been, you know, by the, by what went on down there. 
Have you reached out and received help from any aid organizations, or have, has this been very much just a personal search? Mostly been a personal search. Just the only, you know, I've reached out to, you know, Nelson, and then Robert McAndrews was also, you know, helpful in offering up to go down to El Salvador with his students as well if I wanted to take a trip with them. He was another resource that I won't gone to. And basically just reaching out to other, you know, adoptees has been really the only resources that I've had. Yeah, well, the other one being, I should say, is the if you want to submit DNA, was through the University of Berkeley. And that was through the Pro-Busqueta group. Okay. So they've been also a resource as well. And I did meet with the woman in charge there when she came up at one point a few years ago from El Salvador. I would recommend contacting Pro-Busqueta definitely if you're looking mm -hmm. to find your biological family and you want to submit DNA, that's definitely the way to go. But yeah, other than that, that's, those have been the resources and just basically doing a, a self-search online is definitely a, a great tool. Um, and just, you know, kind of leaning on my sister a lot through this. I mean, it's tough, right? You have to deal with all of these uh, very difficult situations and, and you're trying to resolve them and it's not easy uh, mm -hmm. and, and there's no right answer. I think you make a good, I don't want well, point, but you, you tell a, a very good story about how you learn something new and it changes the relationships that you've developed or that you've come to know for years. And that's hard. Mm -hmm. And it takes a while to kind of work through that. And, I, and so I guess the, the question that's starting to form in my head is, has the group helped you? Has being able to talk to myself and other disappeared, has that benefited you to work through some of these things? Um, I would say definitely. I know you're not alone, and even though I've always had my sister, it's, like I said, she hasn't been exactly as open or as forthcoming or, or willing to do the research or to talk about it, or and she's always been that way, and that's fine. I mean, I know everyone handles it differently. I One thing I've definitely heard from and heard from Nelson and other adoptees is like every story is individual, you know, and mm -hmm. everybody's completely entitled to whatever their own feelings are about it and whatever their own process is about it. So, sounds exactly, like yeah. even even within a family, right? Exactly, everyone's yeah. different. It's funny too, and on that note, um, and on that point, it's me and my sister look nothing alike, according to everyone <laughs> and each other. We just both short. Other than that, and every, you know, one Hispanic isn't short, and most of them are. So as far as looks-wise, too, growing up, it's always been um, kind of a joke, an ongoing joke that, you know, oh, we're not really biological. There's no way we can be sisters. Even when we're not in a fight, we see that, you know, it's just like we look nothing alike. I'm, I'm darker skin than she is. She is more of a, um, people said she has more of a Polynesian or Asian look to her, and I have more of a Middle Eastern sort of look to me, so it's it's just kind of funny too that, you know, we just we have fun. I guess you could say we kind of have fun with it. We joke around all the time about it. We kind of joke too. Oh, you're my only, you know, you're my only family here. You know, like <laughs> just joking, you know. But yeah, um, of course we, you know, our mom is our mom, our adopted mom. But um, and now that we both have our own children as well, I have a son. He's asking questions, and you know, uh, how, old is, how old is your son? He's eight, eight and a half. Okay. Um, want to carry on? It would be great to have, um, you know, a, an, an ending to the story too to tell him as well, and and be able to, you know, if we could connect with more family, it would be awesome. You know, I'd love to take him down there. You know, that's just something else too that embracing 
who you really are. And so since he is half Salvadoran, you know, he wasn't born there, he still is half Salvadoran, to be able to teach him some of the culture that I didn't really get to know, I think is really important for him to understand who he is. Yeah. And I have kind of a similar joke that I have with my birth sister, Ava. And we always joke, we ask people, if we look alike, if we look like siblings, and most people's reaction is no. And then the joke is that, oh, I'm adopted. And that's why, you know, <laughs> yep. so it's that kind of, you know, you're making, making fun of the situation or just having fun with the situation, I think, because it is tough. And uh, if you can't have fun with it, then uh, it, it certainly makes it a lot harder to deal with. I sort of had one more question to kind of maybe wrap things up here. Uh, and, and that's simply what would what advice would you give to another Salvadoran adoptee who might be interested in in searching for their family? So my advice would definitely be to go for it. You know, if if in your gut you always felt something was missing, this is something you want to do, and you're willing to accept the results either way. You get nothing, but you, you know you don't find no information. That you find some information that they're alive, they're not alive, or if you're even from another country and you're looking to find answers, definitely go for it. If that's what you feel like, you know, you can't live without knowing something or at least trying, now we have the great tool of using Google and online research. And I would say definitely, um, definitely go for it. Um, you know, ask for, ask for help wherever you can get it. Um, you know, if you can meet up with other people and that have a similar situation, it's a great resource, um, you know, even, you know, personally, it's a great resource to just be able to talk to them if you need, you know, feel like you need to. But to me, it's just about not living with any regrets. So, you know, the find answers would be, or at least attempt to find them would be, um, you know, all I asked for out of all of this, you know, out of being adopted. I didn't have control that I was adopted and the circumstances, and I feel like at least this is a way to have some control or at least you know, something out of, out of everything that happened. Thank you for, for sharing all this. Uh, we wondered if, uh, two things. One is if you've tried pupusas. <laughs> I like them. I definitely like them. But i got to say, and this is probably going to sound bad, but um, I'll take Chipotle burritos any day. <laughs> Pupusa. That's the American in me, I guess. The other question I was going to ask is just if there's anything we haven't addressed that you wanted to share about. I think that's everything that I that I got. Mm -hmm. You know, I just said I, I would, would love to talk more if I, if and when um, I do find any more information out. Well, great. Good good luck with your search. Thank you. Yeah, and mm -hmm. thank you so much for for being with us.